Now then, at 7.33, for President Donald Trump, what follows the cancellation of a secret meeting with the Taliban at Camp David has been the sacking of his Hawkeye advisor, John Bolton, who himself would say he offered his resignation. But either way, he's gone from that position. Let's uh, first hear what the local reaction's been like in Afghanistan to the dead peace talks amid the Taliban's pledge to continue fighting against the United States forces in Afghanistan. We've been able to hear from an analyst based in Kabul. So let's take a listen to what Kate Clark, co-director and senior analyst for the Afghanistan Analyst Network, has had to say. Last week was nasty in Afghanistan. We had three Taliban attacks on provincial centres. We had these two big suicide bombings in Kabul. We had another night raid on a house where four brothers were killed. This was by Afghan forces that are actually controlled by the CIA. And there's been a, a number of these summary executions in recent months. The mood in Kabul was already very uncertain, particularly as we were waiting for the Americans and the Taliban to do a deal, and no one was quite sure what was in that deal. And then came news President Trump had decided to scrap talking to the Taliban because he said an American soldier had been killed by the Taliban in one of the suicide bombings. This was strange because people, including American soldiers, have been killed all the way through the it wasn't you. It felt to us like it was a pretext to end the talks. But since then, people have felt very confused, very uncertain about what happens next. We don't know what the American intention is. Will they take away, will Trump decide to remove US troops without an agreement? Will they increase the ferocity of the fighting. I feel that Afghanistan is in limbo at the moment, waiting to see what comes out of Washington and what may come from the Taliban. The Afghan government were excluded from the talks. The Taliban said, you know, the Kabul government is a puppet of the Americans and we want to speak to the main enemy, which is the US. So they had successfully persuaded President Trump's envoy, Zalmay Khalilzad, to exclude the Afghan government. The Afghan government was furious. I would say everyone on this side has been has felt very marginalised, both government, opposition figures, but also women's groups, civil advocacy groups. Everyone has felt that the future of the country is being decided and the only Afghans in the room are Taliban. President Ghani... Ashraf Ghani is delighted that the talks have fallen through. He did not support them. He is looking forward now to the presidential elections this month. One of the problems is that talking to the Taliban has actually sabotaged those elections because the US envoy Khalilzad had been speaking about the possible interim government, about elections being delayed. So the campaign has never really got going. Compared to four years ago, there are very few election posters, very few campaign events. It feels like a very, very slow campaign. Really, the only person in the race is, is, is the president at the moment. And his, the people standing against him have, have accused him of trying to hijack the elections, of using patronage and state money to try and win the elections, not through democratic means. Well, as ever, there's uh, much more to this than some of the 
rather simplified Trump-based headlines on Afghanistan. But um, you were hearing there the voice of Kate Clark, a former BBC correspondent from 1999. She was the only Western journalist based in Afghanistan um, at the start of the uh, war there. She covered what happened in 2001. Um, she obviously, like many of us, is uh, looking back probably with a sense of academic disbelief um but i'm sure also um great professional interest 18 years on from 9-11 and they're still fighting in afghanistan um it's the longest war in american history by the way for that reason too dr marvin weinbaum director of afghanistan and pakistan program at the middle east institute uh, joins us on the line uh dr weinbaum is also professor emeritus of political science at the university of illinois at urbana champaign thank you for joining us as well my pleasure it's, it's difficult right now to um to just talk about president trump's foreign policy without also looking at the departure of john bolton uh th- th- does that say anything to you at this point about the afghanistan situation well, it does suggest how muddled things are. Um, actually, uh, he was proceeding to go ahead with the agreement that uh, that Zalmay Khalilzad had uh, arranged, um, and uh, it was right up until the eleventh hour, in a way, that uh, it appeared that uh, he was going to accept what was uh, honestly, and it's one of the few times I had some agreement with with Mr. Bolton, that this was a, this was a bad agreement, at least for, for, certainly for the Afghans, and also was one in which the United States had, in the course of the negotiations, virtually given in on every, on every item. Uh, it's hard to find in what was the draft agreement that there's very much there that the Taliban ever compromised on. They really got everything they wanted, and the, about the only thing they appeared to give away was that they would not be cavorting with groups like the, like the, the Al-Qaeda and, uh, and similar uh, insurgent groups, uh, terrorist groups, that they would, uh, they would not allow them to operate from the soil. But that, after all, is just a pledge to do so, whether they actually, even if sincere, had the capacity to prevent those groups from operating is another matter. But in, in, what I'm getting at here is that what they were offering had to be accepted on faith, whereas what the U.S. was prepared to do was quite tangible. And uh, so there was very good reason. But in the end, it appears that the decision not to go ahead was impetuous. Uh, the argument that uh, that they had demonstrated their bad faith by uh, by uh, the uh, killing uh, another car bomb uh, attack. Uh, uh, well, you know, these have been going on regularly. If you were going to hold against them that they were killing civilians, you had ample reason not to go along with the agreement in the first place. But uh, whatever reason, and because it is... Uh, he, he does operate, let me put it this way, he does operate off the cuff that uh, it's hard to know just what he's going to come down with in the way of a decision. This is his style of decision-making, and it's erratic, it's unpredictable. Uh, so uh, 
just what lies behind the ultimate decision to go plan this, which he wanted so badly, the idea of a of a meeting in Camp David. The symbolism was was great. It bothered some people. But uh, I, for one, uh, thought back to uh, 1978 when Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin were were there to negotiate. And then, of course, uh, that resulted in in a uh, agreement which was rather was rather uh, critical really for peace in the middle east well he obviously loved the drama of the whole idea of having uh, them there and uh, somehow he wanted to give the impression not that there was an already agreed on draft because there was but that he was instrumental in bringing the two sides together so he was he could say i'm the peacemaker here yeah. Well, having gotten to that point, he then walked away from it. I often, whenever I hear of President Trump's foreign policy in other parts of the world, make mental comparisons with the way he handles North Korea, for example, and, yes. and some of the uncertainty around that situation, but also the invitation to Chairman Kim Jong-un to visit the White House, an invitation which has not been accepted yet, obviously. Um, but how significant would it have been, Taliban and in Camp David, and, and if these talks had gone ahead, would it have been um, sending out completely the wrong signal and, and endorsing the Taliban's behavior over the last few years? Well, the endorsement is there in the fact that we were willing to go ahead with what was not a peace agreement. Uh, it was a withdrawal agreement. Uh, if we were talking about peace agreement, we would mean ending the conflict in Afghanistan. What this did was to end the conflict between the Taliban and the U.S., which is very limited at this point. We don't have really combat units in the field there. Uh, so this was an agreement which would enable the United States to leave uh, without being humiliated. Uh, the What it was doing was simply throwing into the lap of the Afghans and and not necessarily the, the government, which was prepared to negotiate, but the Taliban had made no indication that they were going to meet with government representatives, even though they were perfectly uh, happy with meeting with Afghans in general. And if some of the government people wanted to come as, individual, uh, as individuals rather than government officials, well, they could join as well. But this is what we were doing. We were saying to them, now, yes, we, we've been saying all along how important a truce is. Well, we can't really, we really can't arrange this. They won't give in on this. But maybe you people can, can work it out. And, uh, and, and also uh, that you can find, because we never got into the question about what the new government would look like if there was a partnership or, or a, a, a power sharing, uh, what th- that would look like. But we'll just leave that to you and hope that in time you'll find the answer. Well, uh, the, given the complexity of these issues, uh, no one really believed that this was going to be anything. Even if it continued, if it didn't break up uh, these meetings, that the first one planned for, uh, for Oslo, even if it didn't break up, we're talking about the kind of negotiations uh, that for a less complex uh, conflicts go on for months and years. Uh, so this this is really what we're, we're looking at at the same time that the war would be going on. 
And obviously, the parameters of what would be an agreement would be changing and not necessarily changing, changing in the favor of the Afghan government and, uh, and political elites. Um, just finally and, and briefly, we are here now 18 years on from 9-11. Uh, it doesn't look like there's particularly an end in sight, given the fact that the Taliban will, it would seem, be a, a threat. Uh, if the United States uh, leaves, the threat will grow even greater. Yes, uh, there's no question. The status quo is not good. Uh, the agreement that they apparently had reached wasn't going to make things much better. But what will really, I think, be devastating is for the United States to simply uh, pick up and leave. Uh, uh, that threatens, I think, the very existence of the government and the state itself, because of the very real possibility exists that without American forces present, that the security forces will break up. And then we're not into a transition to a Taliban regime. We're into a bloody civil war. Dr. Weinbaum, thank you also for joining us today. My pleasure.